as if for announcements, the book of Habakkuk. Are you there? Are you ready? We're going to dive in tonight, and you're going to learn some things about the book of Habakkuk. Last week, we were in the book of Nahum, and if you weren't here for that, you can go on our website or go to YouTube, and you can search and watch that message. That was the rest of the story of the book of Jonah, what God did to Nineveh after the fact. And so tonight, we're in Habakkuk, another book of the minor prophets, and we really do not know a lot about the man Habakkuk. He was a prophet to the southern kingdom of Judah, and he might have had something, he might have been a Levite, maybe, because chapter number three of Habakkuk here is written as a psalm for the temple, and possibly he could have been a Levite because of that, but we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more as we dive in tonight. And so let's look at the first verse, first couple verses, we'll read the first couple verses, we'll have a word of prayer. And then we'll dive in tonight. Father, and let's, read, let's pray, and then we'll get into it. Father in heaven, we love you, and we thank you for the time that we have, and we thank you for your love. I pray as we come here tonight, Holy Spirit, you, you help, you move the men to pen these words. They're your words, which means you know them better than any of us do. I pray tonight as we study this book that you would apply it to our hearts and speak to us through it and use this passage of Scripture. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Habakkuk 1.1, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save? Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that, riseth, that raiseth up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Let's look at verse number 5. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your day, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling place that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed out of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the leopards and are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves and their horsemen shall come from far they shall fly as an eagle that hasteth to eat. They shall come all over violence. Their faces shall sup up at the east wind, and they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings, and the princes shall be scorn, shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold, for they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God." Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die, O Lord. Thou hast ordained them for judgment, and, O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? And makest men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things that have no rule over them. 
They take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. Therefore, they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense unto their drag, because by them their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. Shall they therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations? And you might be like, what was all of that about? And we're going to look here tonight, and I'll explain it to you, and you'll see what happens here. Israel had been split into two kingdoms. We've talked about this before. The northern kingdom made up, and when we look at the northern kingdom, they were taken captive by the Syrians. Israel was taken captive by Assyria. You still had Judah in the south. And as we look at this here, and what you got to understand is for nearly 200 years, the southern kingdom continued on after Israel had been taken captive, but judgment was coming to Judah as well. So Habakkuk was a prophet to Judah, and God is telling him, and God has shown him some things, and now you've got Habakkuk asking God some questions. Really, the whole book of Habakkuk is this. It's a question of big, why is this happening? Why are you using the heathen to punish your people? You have a man, a prophet, talking to God, if you notice from verse 1 through verse, so you see in verse number 1, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see, God showed Habakkuk what's going to take place in Judah. So we see from verse 2 through 4, Habakkuk has this burden. He's like, look at what's going to happen. He starts to question God about it. What you have from verse number 5 through verse number 11 is God responding to Habakkuk's question. And then you have Habakkuk responding again to God and going a little further in their dialogue. What you see in the book is it's just God and the prophet talking back and forth. Habakkuk asks God a question. God answers him. And the whole book, it starts out with this burden, starts out with doom and gloom. But by the end of Habakkuk, it ends with the glory of God. Isn't that interesting? And we've noticed it throughout most of the minor prophets. There's judgment, there's doom and gloom, but there's always hope by the end of the book. God always leaves his people with hope. And praise God that we have hope. And as the Bible tells us, we're looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank God we have hope tonight. And I love that in the middle of Judah getting ready to be punished, that God still leaves them with hope. And God always does. And thank God when God's involved, there's always hope. And Christian, don't ever forget that. We look here and Habakkuk had a conversation. And he asked God why some things are happening. And a lot of times, we wonder the same exact same things. Why does God allow evil? Why doesn't he just take it out? Ever think that? Why does God allow evil? How long will God let the wicked get away with what they're doing? You ever wondered that before? It's kind of what we see here. God, why do you allow the wicked to prosper? Ever thought that one before? Man, it looks like I'm trying to serve God and give God my very best, and that person doesn't even, and look, they're prospering? Why is this taking place? And Habakkuk, this book here, this short three-chapter book, answers these questions for us. 
This book is just a conversation of two questions from Habakkuk and two responses from God, then a prayer slash song from Habakkuk in chapter number three. Interesting to note, the book of Habakkuk, it is Hebrew poetry. As we read it here tonight, you're like, I don't see the Hebrew poetry because you're not reading Hebrew. It was translated into English for us. Since it's translated into English, you're not going to see the poetry that's there because it's translated for us. But I want you to, as we look here tonight, and as we dive in, I'm going to answer, I'm going to show you his two questions. I'm going to show you God's answers, and then we'll look at the last chapter and we'll be done. The first question is this that Habakkuk asked God, why do you tolerate wickedness? Why do you tolerate wickedness? We see it right here in verse 2 through 4. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? It says, verse 3, why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? It's like, why do you tolerate wickedness? And then God gives Habakkuk an answer. God's response, and I love God responds back. God doesn't, I love, the, I love this about God. God doesn't look at Habakkuk and say, it's none of your business. Because in all honesty, it really isn't our business. He's God, let him be God. Let, but I love how God is compassionate. God is merciful. God is awesome. And because of that, what we see is Habakkuk asks God a question and you and I might have answered and said, I'll just do what I want to do. Don't worry about it. You just worry about you, okay? But that's not what God does. We see from verse 5 through 11 that the Lord replies. And basically what the Lord says in those verses, hey, Habakkuk, I'm working in ways you can't see. And you got to remember that with the Lord. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And Habakkuk looks here, and he's like, God, why do you tolerate? Why are you going to let the Babylonians do this to us? Why them? Why? And God says, hey, hey, Habakkuk, just relax a little bit. I'm working. You don't see it. I've got everything under control. I'm trying to teach my people a lesson. Verse 5 and 6 there, it says, Behold, ye among the heathen in regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your day which you would believe, which you would not believe, though it be told you. God says, you're not gonna, you're not gonna believe what I'm doing. And in verse number six, you see, I'm gonna raise up the Babylonians, that bitter, that hasty nation, and they're gonna destroy Israel. They're gonna punish you. God says, you're not gonna understand it. But the gist of it, as we look at this here, Habakkuk, why, God, do you tolerate wickedness? And God says, I'm working in ways you don't see. And God's telling him here that he has bigger plans than he could even imagine. He is raising up Babylon to accomplish his purpose for judging of Israel. And he's going to use the Babylonians to accomplish his purpose. Now, isn't that strange to think God could use a heathen nation to fulfill his purpose. God says, I'm working in ways you just don't see. Then Habakkuk says, okay, God, his next question. Why would you save Babylon and destroy Israel? 
Now, a lot of times we love to use, and preachers will use verse number 13 there, where it says, thou art a pure eyes than to behold evil. Now think about how the Lord, you think about how Jesus Christ, he who knew no sin, became sin that we might be called the righteousness of God in him. The Bible tells us that God can't even look on evil right here, right? That he would become sin for us. What a Savior, what a God we have. But in this passage, this was Habakkuk getting after God. You're going to save Babylon and destroy your people. God, I thought you couldn't even look at evil. And yet you're going to use evil? You're going to use those evil people to destroy my people? It makes no sense to me. Why would you save Babylon and destroy Israel? By far, yes, Israel had their issues. Yes, Judah had problems and they had sinned, but Babylon was way more wicked. How could God possibly be doing right to use a more wicked nation to conquer a less wicked nation? How could God use corrupt instruments for his glory? God, and how could God do that? But are you glad tonight that God can use anything? He can. God can use instruments of evil for his glory. God can use what's going on in our world today for his glory. And you might look and say, I just don't see it. You're not going to always see it. You're not going to always understand it. That's what's so awesome about God. And it's great to know that he's working in ways we can't see. And so the second question from Habakkuk, why would you save Babylon, destroy Israel? And God's response, go to chapter number two and look at verse two through four. And the Bible says here, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Habakkuk says, God, why would you save Babylon and destroy Israel? God's response my plan's bigger than you can comprehend. Hey, Babylon is going to fall. Yes, they're getting stronger now, but ultimately, Habakkuk, I'm in control. God may use evil for his purposes, but he doesn't endorse the evil that people do. It will not go unpunished. We think about the New Testament be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And sometimes we can step back and we're like, God, why would you allow this or why would you use this and do this? But God's plans are bigger than we can comprehend. And as we look at this and as we dive into it and we see that God used Babylon, but later on God destroyed Babylon. Remember Nebuchadnezzar's son? The writing on the wall? The kingdom was taken from him, given to the Medes and the Persians. Were the Medes and the Persians better people? No, they were bad too. Go along down the line and Rome and all that, but I don't think if Rome was in power, how could Jesus have ended up born in Bethlehem because Caesar Augustus made a decree that the whole world should be taxed? There was a plan and a method to everything that God does. 
And sometimes we can't see the whole picture. Most of the time, we can't see the whole picture. And what we see in this passage of Scripture is it's okay to ask God why. It is. It's okay to ask, God, why am I suffering? It's okay to ask. And God responds. And you might say, oh, pastor, I've been asking God and he still hasn't responded yet. Then keep asking till he responds. Think about Paul in the New Testament. Remember he sought the Lord three times to take away his infirmity? And God finally answered. But may I remind you tonight, just because God might answer you and he doesn't give you the answer you want doesn't mean you keep asking. When he responds, you need to trust him. And that's how it was here. God told Habakkuk, you're just not going to get it. This is too big for you to understand. You're not going to completely comprehend it. But I'm going to take care of things. You'll notice then the rest of chapter number two that God gives five woes to Babylon. And uh, you look at verse number six, the Bible says, Shall not all these take up a parable against him and a taunting proverb against him and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. How long unto him that ladeth himself with thick clay. We see the first woe is this, woe to the thief. Woe to the thief. And just so you know, woes are not a good thing. You don't want God to say woe to you. That's not, that's not a good thing here. Woe to the thief. In verse number 12, we see woe to him that buildeth a city with blood and established a city by iniquity. Woe unto the violent. Woe unto the violent. Did I skip one there? I did. Verse number nine. Let's go to, back to number two. Woe to him that, co- that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. So you have the woe to the thief. Verse number nine talks about woe to the proud. These were some of the things that Babylon was doing. To the thief, to the proud. Thirdly, to the violent. I already mentioned that one there. Woe to the violent. Verse number 15. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink that puttest thy bottle to him and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. The fourth woe is woe to the drunken. Then verse number 19, woe unto him that saith to the wood, awake, and to the dumb stone arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. And that's talking about woe to the idolater, these idols that were made. And then look at verse number 20. After all these woes, look at what it says. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. What does that tell us? God is in control even when it doesn't seem like God's in control. Hey, church, tonight, God is in control even when the wicked prosper. God is in control when God's people don't understand. And in the midst of all this, Habakkuk asks God these questions and he just doesn't get it. And by verse number 20, the end of chapter number 2, God lets him know, hey, I'm in control. Yeah, it might look like the wicked's having their day. It might look like all these different things, but I'm still in control. 
And Christian may I remind you tonight, as there's a virus that's out there, as there's economic pressures around us, as there's an election coming up before too long, as there's all these things around us, may you be reminded tonight that God is still in control. And though it might look like the enemy is running rampant, and though you see around us some churches being today for meeting in the name of the Lord. And though we see all those things around us today, may I remind you again tonight, God is still in control. He still sits in his temple. He's still got everything under control. Everything's going to be all right. But sometimes, and that's why sometimes you just need to turn the news off, Christian. Just turn it off. Say, why turn it off? Because he's still got it under control. I don't hear a newscaster say that too often. I love the, and I watch some of it, not all the time, some. Sean Hannity, he ends his show, let not your heart be troubled. John 14, verse number one. I think that's a great way to end the show right there. Because you listen to too much news, your heart's gonna be troubled. You live in this world long enough, you're gonna be troubled. But may I tell you tonight, Christian, God is still on the throne, and praise God for that. What we see happen, you turn to chapter number three of Habakkuk, and it goes from Habakkuk asking God questions and God responding to him to chapter number three, where we see Habakkuk's prayer and his song of praise. And may I just say tonight, what a great response after we have doubts and confusion, to do what Habakkuk does here in chapter number three. A song and a prayer. A great reminder for us as Christians tonight that singing, praising, praying, preaching should be a part of our worship. Singing should be a part of our worship. No matter what health officers anywhere say, singing is part of our worship. Don't ever lose sight of that. And I would much rather obey God. And anyways, I'll drop that there. There's a lot more I could say. A lot more I could say. But chapter 3 contains all these things. Singing, praising, praying, preaching. Look at chapter 3. Look at verse number 2. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. Go to verse number six. He stood and measured the earth. He beheld and drove asunder the nations. And the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. Verse number 12. Thou didst march through the land in indignation. Thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Verse number 13. Thou winnest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thine anointed. Thou woundest the head out out of the house of the wicked by discovering the fountain unto the neck. Selah, verse number 16. When I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness, Rottenness entered into my bones and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troop. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, 
Neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Now, hold it there before we go any further. We see Habakkuk talks about how his response was to what God showed him. Look at verse number 16. Hey, when I heard what's going to take place to Judah. Look at what he said. My belly trembled. You've ever gotten some news or heard something and you just, you've, you tremble inside? There's been a few times in life I could say that that's happened. Not often, but a few times. But he says that his belly trembled. His lips quivered. Rottenness entered into my bones. And I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. He was just waiting for it. He heard what was going to happen from God. And really, you could say his anxieties were building up right here. One of the, with, I'll talk about myself here for a second. One of the things that Brian struggles with, Brian struggles with anxiety at times. This is one of those passages that does, that's helped me more than any other passage in the Bible. And you'd say, Habakkuk? Yep, Habakkuk. Because what he is saying here is, God gave him, he knew something was coming, and he couldn't even rest just waiting for it to come. He's laying down at night, he's like, oh, is it coming now? Is Babylon going to come now and take us captive? What's going to happen here? And look at what he says, I love verse 17, it twists it here. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vine. Now, if you know something about Israel, the fig trees, the olives, the grapes, those were big deals to them. And although the fig tree is not going to blossom, we're not going to have any fruit. Though the grapes, there'll be nothing. The labor of the olive shall fail. The fields won't give us anything. The flocks are going to be cut off. The flocks were important for their meat. It was also important for sacrificing. Lots of reasons for it. And there shall be no herd in the stalls. Look at verse number 18. There's a colon in verse 17. Do you see that there? Which means verse 18 is a continued thought. Yet... Although it's bad, although all these things are not, although we're going to be suffering, yet, verse number 18, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my, my feet like hinds feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singers of my stringed instruments. We look at that there. We think about it there. Habakkuk says, I got this news. And man, it really messed me up. I felt it deep inside. My lip quivered. I couldn't sleep. This is awful. I was just waiting for it to happen. 
But something changed. How did he go from worrying to trusting? The answer is he talked to the Lord about it. He asked God two questions, and God responded back to him. Do you find yourself ever questioning God? Do you ever find yourself a little anxious, a little worried? I think all of us could say yes to that. Habakkuk made the choice to do four things. This is how we're going to end the message, and this is the application from the passage. First one is this. Turn to God in faith. Turn from the problem or the situation and turn to God in faith. You'll notice we think of the verse Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith, right? You know that Paul was quoting Habakkuk chapter number 2 is what he was quoting. We think of Martin Luther, that verse, the just shall live by faith, changed his life. And a lot of people say from Paul there, it was really from Habakkuk. Turn to God in faith, the just shall live by faith. Secondly, turn to God in prayer. We see the beginning of this chapter. We see that Habakkuk, it says a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, You turn to God in faith, turn to God in prayer. Number three, turn to God in worship. By the end here, he's talking about the chief singers on my stringed instruments. And then you turn to God in praise. I've made the statement over the past several weeks, and I've said it often, about how what we do is we focus on our problems and we make big of our problems, and we make little of God. The problem is we're focusing too much on our problems, and we're not focusing enough on God. The bigger the God you have, the smaller your problems become. The bigger your problems are, and more magnified in your eyes, the smaller your God is. Really, the most important thing in the Christian life, one of the most important things, is your view of God. If you have a big God, it's going to help you. And we see Habakkuk, he had questions. God, I don't get it. I don't understand. And yet, in the midst of those questions, God answers. But this is the thing, God answers, and God's answers still don't answer everything. You know, what we want from God is we want God to give us a detailed list of how everything's going to go. You know, when's the virus going to go away? When is this going to happen and when's this going to happen? And God's not going to give you, Lord, when are you coming? He doesn't give us all the details. This way he does. He gives us some of it. And then what we got to do is trust him. So you have a book that was written a long time ago, Forever Settled in Heaven that shows us God's promises, and God's promises are true. You can rest on his promises. And the book of Habakkuk reminds us 
that God works through hardships. And when it seems that evil is prevailing, God is still working. Hey, you can rejoice, Christian, tonight in suffering because guess what? Suffering in the hands of a loving God can be used for ultimate good in our lives. Isn't that what the cross was all about? God's work through hardship, when it seemed like evil prevailed, but three days later, he conquered the grave. And the cross is a great reminder that the most vicious, horrible thing ever done in human history is the best thing that ever happened for us. What a great little book. You see the little treasure the book of Habakkuk is? Great help in my life. One of my favorite go-to passages. Trust God. He's worthy of it. The just shall live by faith. And by faith. By faith. You don't conquer at one time and you've got it all figured out. The just shall live by faith. And then faith again. And faith again. And faith again. That's a Christian life. One thing to the next. One thing to the next. Trust him. He's worthy of it. You don't understand everything. I don't understand everything. We never will. But he's trustworthy. And when it seems like, how could God work in this situation? He's right there behind the scenes doing what he always does. And he will work. Say, Pastor, but my situation is so much worse. He is working. He's still there. He hasn't left you. He hasn't deserted you. And you wonder what he's doing. He's doing something. He's there. Say, what's he doing? Wouldn't it be nice to know? (laughs) Trust him with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture and thank you for the book of Habakkuk. Pray that you'd help us apply it to our lives and when there's times that we struggle, and I think there are a lot of people in our world struggling right now, may we remember that you've got things under control. I pray for Christians all around that we get our focus on you and realize that our God's bigger than a virus. It's bigger than fear. It's bigger than government. It's bigger than any of those things. We serve an awesome, wonderful God.